You're listening to the Open Court Podcast with Sidney Johnson, Bob Usler, and Joe DeSantis. An all-access pass to Fairfield University men's basketball. And we welcome you back to another episode of Open Court with Sidney Johnson and with Coach Johnson on the recruiting trail right now. We're going to bring in former Stacks coach and current assistant Mitch Bonagura. He'll sit in for Coach Johnson this week. Also, uh, Joe DeSantis with us as always. I'm Bob Huesler, and we'll also be joined by our special guest this week, the Stags Director of Basketball Operations, Steve Elmore. We're going to talk about the Stags' annual trip to Western New York. The Canisius Niagara Swing is coming up, and we will get you up to date on the state of the Stags down to the final five games of the regular season. But as I mentioned at the top, Sidney Johnson is on the recruiting trail, and Coach Bonagero, let's start there. A lot of our fans don't understand how the recruiting process works in terms of its calendar, the live periods, the dead periods, what you can do, what you can't do. So Sid is out recruiting right now. What can you do at this time of the year as far as recruiting is concerned? Well, Bob, right now we're in an evaluation period. So you're able to go out um, and watch uh, players play in their high schools, prep schools, junior colleges, you're not allowed to, you know, visit with them face-to-face because it's an evaluation period. There's a, a period in April where you can go out and, and visit them face-to-face. That's a contact period. But an evaluation, you can go to the games, evaluate them. You know, you're limited. You can't you – know, we only have 130 evaluation days for the year. So, you know, for the whole staff. For the whole staff, yeah. Mm-hmm. And, and you know, and who your, keeps track of that? The compliance. You know, we have to we have to report every time we come back from a trip. You know, we we turn our expenses in, and we have to fill in um, the days that we're recruiting. So, you know, like I've been out, I've been out eight or ten days. You know, Tyson, I'm sure has been out a little bit more. Sid's been out. Tom's been out. So, you got to keep track of the days. You can't go over 130. Will we give anything away by asking where Sid is right now? Well, he's, I I think he's going to a prep school game. You know, in Locally, New, in, how, in New England. Okay, okay. Yeah, don't say where, because Sydney would never say. <laughs> no, 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 no. Just wondering uh, how far, how wide the uh, net is cast right now. Well, how active? Uh, listen, that's a, uh, actually I know the answer to that question. The Stags are very active right now on the recruiting trail. Uh, what, where do the Stags stand in terms of scholarships to offer the kind of players you might be looking at right now? Well, we, we you know, we have uh, John. Casababu scholarship, you know, we want to fill that with a with a big guy, you know, that's a big priority. Uh, Matias graduating, so there's the other scholarship, um, and then after that, uh, you know, we're, we're still a little bit, you know, don't know what's going to happen. Uh, we definitely have two, you know, Matias and John. So, so you don't have any unused scholarships now. Uh, n- no, you're not carrying one over. No, and but you've already gotten a commitment. You just can't say who it is, right? Right. right. They're not allowed to. What um how hard is it to find quality bigs? We 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 know that is a premium in the MAC. Uh, how difficult is it? How competitive is it for the Stags in that particular arena? Well, that's one of the really tough things to do uh, because everybody recruits big guys. They normally get over recruited. I think and Joe would tell you this when when a good big kid is is comes out into his senior year. He's, he, he most of the time is over-recruited. He's got schools that he probably should be looking at that he's not because he's got the bigger schools recruiting him. So I think it's very difficult. you got to find what I would call a sleeper, you know, a guy that's a little under the radar. I think John 
Casababa was one of those guys. You know, he's had a good career at Fairfield. Uh, I know I got here when he signed, and he was a late signee. So sometimes you get kids that are overlooked. Um, you might have to look at a junior college kid. You know, you might have to look at a a grad transfer, but big guys. And, and I'll be honest with you, Bob, the, the state of basketball now, uh, kids are not playing inside. The game has become wide open. I don't think high school kids, like when I coached here in the 80s, you know, you could get a legitimate post player. Now it's most most post guys want to play in the perimeter because that's what they do in the NBA. You just mentioned how that position has changed. How has recruiting changed? And a lot of our listeners are familiar with your history, Mitch, going back to your days as an assistant at Villanova where you were known as a very, very good recruiter and, of course, carried that over here to Fairfield uh, as the head coach where you had to close a lot of deals as a recruiter. And then the same thing at Siena where you were Fran McCaffrey's lead recruiter up there. So you know a lot about this particular end of the college basketball business, and you've been doing it a long time. The difference between when you started and what it's like now? Well, the restrictions now on, on when you can go out. Well, when I first started, there were no, no restrictions. You could go out 365 days. So, you know, an example would be when I was in Villanova, we recruited John Pannone, who was arguably one of the best players to ever play in Villanova. We saw him, I think, 30 times. We may have went to every one of his games. Joe's done that with kids, I'm sure, when he first got in the business. So th- those days are over. You're limited now in how many games you can go see him. You're limited in contact you're limited in the summer, like summer was big years ago. We would go out to summer leagues. We would get to know the kid, the coach. All of that is, is, is gone now. You know, there's too many restrictions. Now they've restricted even more of the summer schedule. There's only uh, We're only allowed to go out, I think, maybe eight, nine days the whole summer. Yeah, I, I can remember. I, I, every once in a while I come across an assistant that will complain. Now I just laugh in his face because we literally were – you know, get as an assistant coach who was responsible for recruiting, here's the car, I'll see you next month. You know what I mean? You'd be gone, and you, you could see his kid. I remember, I don't want to make this about me, but I remember a great story. I was recruiting Bob Sora, who played in the NBA for Duquesne, and it was a quick plane ride from Pittsburgh to Wilkesbury. And I swear to God, I went to probably two of his practices. And um, people get a laugh out of this, especially if you know him. You don't know him. I know you. Oh, you do know him? Of course. All right, Elmore. All right. I used to go to his practices and he used to practice with a pink neon hat on backwards. And he used to have one sneaker show and the other sneaker time, show time. <laughs> and he had a Camaro with like a fake phone in it. <laughs> the guy was like super cool. His mother worked at a diner. I did everything I possibly could to get that kid. And uh, he, Pat Kennedy wound up coming, yeah. coming in late. Uh, his former right. coach, Mitch, coach that he knows, a, it's a, I can't think of his name now, but someone who coached him, he's a very famous coach, whatever, told him about this kid in Wilkes-Barre. Kennedy went to see him. He came to visit us. The kid did it to Kane. We lost in the Florida State. He became a pretty good pro. Mitch, um, what would you consider to be your best recruiting uh, coup here when you were – well, let's let's take your Fairfield career as the head coach and as an assistant coach. What what do you consider your best, best success story? Well, I, I think we uh, – when I first got here, you know, we, we recruited uh, Tom Squirry and Troy Bradford. Squirry was a first-team All-City player. Unfortunately, he had injuries here, but I think Tom was a very good recruit. And then Troy Bradford, who was a first-team All-State player in sure. Connecticut and, and became a very good player here. Um, you know, and then I, 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 we concentrated a lot in the, in the East Coast. Connecticut, Joe remembers, we did a lot in Connecticut, New Jersey. Um, 
we brought some kids. You know, Harold Brantley uh, from Harrisburg, PA, was a good player, one of the all-time – Drew Henderson, uh, who beca- who's in the Fairfield Hall of Fame, Johnny Jones, um, you know, from Vito Montelli's program. We had a lot of good kids. You just drew an interesting contrast between then and now. You talked about how a lot of your recruiting efforts were locally oriented. Now that net is cast a lot wider, you need to – broaden the scope obviously there are a lot of international players on Fairfield uh, that aspect of recruiting has changed a lot hasn't it in your time yeah I mean there's over I, I read where I think there's 350 international players now uh, you know playing in the NBA uh, you know the, the NBA even has it so I think now the colleges are are obviously recruiting overseas everyone Gonzaga has done it really well you know we've done it well um I'm not as familiar with it. I know Tom is way more familiar with it because he's done it for many years. You know, I've I've gone over there, but I haven't made the contacts. You know, like mm-hmm. that Tom has made, and Tom does a great job. I I think it's going to be interesting now with the uh, new recruiting rules. You know, because um, they favor the bigger schools, you'll probably have more more international recruiting. So the, you talk about how 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 bad how big uh, the recruiting has changed. Um, the days you can go out and and the way you how close you would be able to get to a kid and a coach, and you mentioned about how you can go further away now, not even internationally, but across the states. It's all because of AAU. I mean, you could go to an AAU tournament and see kids from Colorado play for a team. You know, you you may be going to a game when you happen to see this kid make five jump. No one else is there, and kids I think now are more. They're not as hesitant to go far away. So AAU I think has really helped and you getting the kids from all over. Because back in the day, as Mitch said, Fairfield was all New York, New Jersey, Connecticut kids. Fairfield's stiffest competition as far as uh, other schools are concerned. What would they be, Mitch? Well, I I think, uh, you know, we really – we don't recruit a lot against Mac schools. I mean, we don't recruit against Iona, St. Peter's. You know, I think a profile of a school like Fairfield, you're going to recruit against certain kinds of schools. Mm -hmm. I know we, this year we got involved with a couple of kids that, you know, were, were Ivy League caliber kid. We recruited a kid from Albany who went to Yale, August um, August Mahoney, a real good player. We had another kid visit who went to Lehigh, a very good player from Pittsburgh. So our profile of school, you know, I think we recruit against certain kinds of schools. Other schools do it differently. You know, we don't bring in a lot of junior college kids or transfers. That hasn't been the way with uh, SIDS run the program. It's been mostly high school kids. So, um, hey, there's different ways to do it. Iona's successful doing it their way. Mm-hmm. You know, I'm sure other schools are successful taking junior college kids, but you got to find your niche. Fairfield is a very good academic school, so we got to get student athletes that can also compete in the classroom. And uh, I know Joe has one more thing for you. <coughs> the sales pitch. Okay, you have a kid, you're selling them on Fairfield. Give us an idea of what that sales pitch sounds like. Well, the education, number one, is, is fabulous. You know, the, the education... Mm-hmm. I think where we play, the proximity to, um, you know, all the major cities in the east, I think there's good exposure for a kid here. Mm-hmm. We play in really good arenas. I mean, this year we played up at BC. You know, we played uh, in Seattle this year. We played, you know, all over at the country Purdue. at Purdue. So Old Spice uh, next year. Old Spice Orlando. next year. That's right, Orlando <laughs> next year. Or it's not Old Spice. I'm sorry, Advocare. Right. See, I'm, I'm old too. <laughs> um, a big part of recruiting is knowing who you're recruiting against. Yeah, you don't want to waste time right. with kids, so um, you obviously uh, you're on top of that. 
Um, recruiting. So you, you say you have one scholarship right now. How, how, many, how many kids are you recruiting for that position? Like how many kids are on your list right now that you would take tomorrow? How many kids are like um, – like B, I remember when I was at Duquesne, we always recruited Derek Alston, who Fairfield was involved right. in. We recruited him as a B player, but I kept in touch with him like he was an A player. And sure enough, we got him, and he wound up being a pro. How many ki- you know? How do you break down your list, Mitch? Because I, I know back in the day when I worked for Mitch, from A to Z, everything we did was like bordered on being anal. Can I say that, Ivy? <laughs> bordered on being anal, right? From recruiting our recruiting list, I still have them. Our scouting. You, you, you know, you crossed every T, dotted I. So talk to me about the number of kids you have maybe for that uh, position you're recruiting. Well, we're evaluating a lot of them, Joe. I don't think at this point, uh, like the, the kid now has to be an A kid for us to take him. We don't want to take a, a BC guy uh, at this point because we're replacing, we got to replace a really good player. John mm-hmm. has been a, a solid player for us. So Sydney, I think, is only looking at the A group, you know, when he goes out. You know, we might be looking at, some B B guys, not sit, you know, like guys a little below the A guys, but I, I think um, I think Sydney's. It's important for Sydney to like the kid, so he's got to get out. We give him the kids to go see, and then he'll in his mind, you know, come back and say, "Look, I like this kid. This is an A guy." So it really it's it's the affirmation from the head coach. We give them the kids, Joe. You know, like we'll send yep, him yep. out, and then if he likes them, you know, like the kid we we committed got committed. He went out to see, and he liked them, and we you know. That's important. The head coach, I think, has to see the players, has to like them, and feel that they're going to be, you know, be solid contributors. Okay, so you see a kid, Sydney likes him. Now he becomes a, a prime target. You, on an ideal, perfect world situation, you bring him in for the weekend because the kid loves your your interest in him. You guys love each other. Blah blah blah. He's got to have a good time at his visit. What's the perfect scenario here at Fairfield with everything in place, students on campus? Do you bring him in Thursday night? Is Thursday night a better night? Do you take them to the local uh, Raleigh's for the best hot dog? In the, what do you do? What's the What's the perfect scenario? We typically would bring them in a Thursday on Thursday night. Thursday to get night, them in. yeah, because the Friday would be like a typical day at the school. You know, you go right. maybe go to a okay. class. Um, and and what is really good about Coach Johnson is he gets involved. He does a lot of the appointments himself. He sits in on the appointments. You know, we'll figure out who what he wants to major in. Make us an appointment with you know a business professor or somebody Sid feels comfortable with. Uh, we'll typically have the athletic you know Paul Schlickman talk to the recruit. Right. The campus tour is part of it, showing them around, showing them that because obviously a big selling point is the campus. So we'll we'll spend time taking the parent. We do encourage the parents to come. We can pay for them now. That rule has changed. We can pay for both parents. You could you, so yeah. if they fly in, you can you can take all expenses. And you put them at a hotel, and, all and you me- pay for that. Yeah, and all meals. Wow. Yeah, so that that's a I think that's a good rule change. And then they get here. They are Fairfield Stags, and they get to meet the staff. And uh, one of the people on the staff that they deal with uh, very extensively is our, our special guest for this episode of the Open Court Podcast. Great to have uh, Steve Elmore on board. Thanks for joining us, Steve. And uh, I'm sure a lot of our listeners have heard the term DOBO, which stands for Director of Basketball Operations, but don't really know what goes into the job. So if you could give us the capsule description of what it is that you do, what would it sound like? Sure. So the role, I think, varies um, throughout the country, when you know, different staffs, but mainly it'll uh, encompass the day-to-day 
operations, the day-to-day scheduling. So um, practice times, um, you know, on the road and home, uh, you're, you know, dealing with your players to make sure their academics are and check their academic schedules um, are, are um, you know, are working correctly. They're, uh, any any events on campus that they have to go to just to coordinate everything to make sure everything is running smoothly um, for the players um, and a lot of other, other things. Working with the staff to help them in whatever they're doing, whether it's travel, recruiting, and, and things of that nature. Um, you know, the great thing is wherever you are, you're going to be working with everyone internally and externally. So internally, uh, you know, you're working with, you know, finance. You're working with our administration on that, on working with uh, your marketing team, um, you know, just getting a feel for uh, the entire university because everything that goes through us um, many times will go through me and, and I, you know, we have Liam Curry on, on staff as well who helps me out. So uh, that's the fun part about it. And that's really, um, you know, that's the that's the majority of, or I'd say that's the main part of the job. The other thing is you talk about logistics, um, you know, dealing with our travel, you know, once the schedule's set for the year, you go on and you have to plan each trip to make sure that runs smoothly. So, um, you know, I look at it as something that the better job you do, the easier you do, the easier job you make it for the rest of the staff so they can go recruiting. So the timing is actually interesting here because the stack's getting ready to take that trip to Western New York. Right. We've got Canisius and Niagara coming up. Uh, where does that rank uh, in terms of uh, challenging trips are concerned? Well, it depends how the weather is, yeah. <laughs> for sure. Yeah. Uh, no, nah, that's, you know, it's, and having done this for a couple of years, I'm used to to this road trip. But it's um, it's one of the lengthier trips because it's, uh, you know, we're leaving tomorrow, uh, Thursday after practice. We'll take a flight up to Buffalo, get in in the evening, um, play our game Friday night, have a day off, and then we play Sunday, and then we'll we'll bust back. So, you know, that's four days all included, all inclusive. Um, there's just a lot that goes on. So you'll have, um, you know, you have your practice times each day. You have to take that into account. You take into account the travel. So get on the bus, get to the airport. Uh, airport check-ins are always fun, especially in New York City <laughs> at the end of the week. Um, you know, so you got to make sure you, you account enough time to handle that smoothly. You get on your flight, you get in, and then you're, you're you know, you're dealing with uh, – you're in a new city, so you're, you know, usually we, we work with the bus company here locally, and then you have to go on and do business with someone else, whether whether it's Buffalo or, or another state, another city. Um, and then, um, you know, whether you want to coordinate gym times and get a practice in that, you know, the night you get in or the following day, you have your dinner. So, you know, working with the hotel, working with the opposing teams, administration and coaches. Um, it helps when you have people on the other side that are, are – are good people and, and want to work with you, but it's a lot that goes on. A lot of moving parts. Joe and I have witnessed it up close. We know the importance of um, getting those gyms and, and scheduling everything precisely because then you're going to cur- get curveballs thrown at you, things right. that you're not expecting, then you have to handle those on the fly. And Especially when I get calls from Joe, <laughs> random hours of the night. <laughs> well, that kind of sets uh, up Asking my where we're going for dinner. Yeah, yeah. yeah. yeah that sets hey. up. Hey, when you're a diva, you're a diva. You know, <laughs> right. you know. Well, that actually leads nicely into what I wanted to ask you next, which is who are the high-maintenance players on this team? Oh, oh, he's not going to throw anybody under the bus. And the low-maintenance players. And, and you can do it in a humorous way, but the fact is <laughs> that you have the Joes of the world, the divas, and you have the low-maintenance people. Yes. On, this current <laughs> on this current Fairfield team, who – 
fits into what category. Right. Well, that's uh, yeah. This will be fun. So, <laughs> <laughs> you know, talking about the role that I that I play here, there are a couple other things that I left out, but you know, hopefully we get to. But one of the things is um, is is looking after the equipment and apparel. And uh, I love I love gear. You know, you want to. Everyone wants to look good, right? Look good, play good, feel good. That's the, that's the old saying. But we have a guy in particular. One of our guards um, loves the the tights, the the leggings that guys are wearing nowadays. But for some reason, only wants to wear one part of the leg. So he'll, <laughs> he knows who he is. He'll ask for leggings, and, uh, and then I see what he's doing. I figure it out. I was like, yeah, that's it. No more leggings for you. So I consider that kind of high maintenance. We have another guy who is. Uh, you all know him probably figure it out by this but he's got a he's got a unique diet and if i followed his diet i'd hopefully would look like him um <laughs> he's uh he's an adonis but every game uh about two hours before the game or two and a half hours before the game he's got to have four cracked scrambled eggs uh, to perform so when we're on the road guess who gets to deal with that yep but it's fun you know yeah you get to make friends with all the the chefs and the in the hotel but so you can figure that one out. Yeah, I think that one's pretty easy. Yeah. Uh, you said there are some of the things that you didn't get a chance to um, talk about that are also important parts of your job. What are those? Well, for sure. So one of the things, and um, you know, this is this is one of the reasons why Coach Johnson, um, you know, when we were talking about the job, you know, I work with Tyson Wheeler on on his scouts, uh, getting a chance to be able to, um, you know, be involved with the scouts. You know, whether it's putting together film for game prep putting together scouting reports it's something that uh you know was something i hadn't been able to really do before until i got here so um you know we know about the operations manager or operations guys can't be on the court coaching on the floor yet mm-hmm. uh, i know that's in the works of changing but you oh, know it ha- is i didn't know that uh, yeah um don't quote me i know there's there's some ncaa rules that are uh mm-hmm. that are that are in the works but but yeah just getting a chance to be involved with the basketball and the game prep and the scouting that's a that's a huge part for me and it's a it's uh, definitely the most fun. Um, another thing is just working with, you know, Zach and our, our marketing and promotions team, just especially in the off season, not so much in season, but in the off season, off season to be uh, be able to work with them on anything that will promote the brand of the program. So being creative on social media, uh, bringing creative stories about our guys and about our program and sharing it with the community is something that I really enjoy as well. So, um like I said, the role differentiates wherever you go, but that those those things, those aspects of uh, being the double at Fairfield, are uh, are really fun. Who is your favorite story right now? And everybody has a different story, but some are more unique than others. Are there any that stand out right now on this Fairfield team? Um, I'm trying to think. I th- I've got to take some time. But I do think the first thing that do come to mind are we talked about the international uh, players on our roster. I think it's cool that we have. You know, two guys from Sweden, two guys from Puerto Rico um, coming together in different years. I think, uh, you know, you have Omar and Wasif who went to school together. Both um, came over here in their teens and, and met up and, um, you know, became best of friends at their prep school. And, and here they are together at Fairfield. And, um, you know, though, just delving deeper into those types of stories I think are, are great because, I mean, after all, this is – you come in, you, you want to get an education, you want to play and, and get to the highest level you can. But, you know, like I tell our guys, I'm only 28, so I still look back on my days and, you you know, you you form the best uh, friendships. So Absolutely. That's, I think that's an important piece of this whole thing. Well, let's talk a little bit about you, and uh, you have a very recognizable last name. Most I people know who your dad is. Um, 
how uh, how big an influence was he? I know this has this is a layup question as far as uh, your basketball awareness is concerned. Your you played baseball as well as yep. basketball, but your dad, of course, is Len Elmore. Uh, when did you become aware of just who he was in the basketball universe and then how it influenced you as your career developed? Um, it's actually, I can't really pinpoint the exact moment, but, you know, growing up, we, you know, we would go between New York and Maryland a lot because my, both my parents went to the University of Maryland. My dad played there um, in college. And I think just growing up, being when we'd be in Maryland, go back to the University of Maryland and, be around the alumni and be, go go to games and people be stopping him, wanting to talk to him, and and you meet all these people who just would enjoy being in his presence and and talking about the old days and and um, you know what I got from that is like, okay, of course he's you know he's different, he's not a regular guy here, but I would just see how he would um, with every single person that would come up to him, he'd deal with them, and that that was really inspiring because you saw the type of impact he had, but how grateful and how humble. He was, and you know, the older I got, you would, you know, you don't necessarily see that from everybody. So of course I'm, um, you know, I'm biased, but I, you know, I look to him, and he's he's my role model. Um, but you know, I would say that, and and you know, I'd go to the Gary Williams basketball camp growing up at University of Maryland, and again, you see, you see people come up to him, but you also see his name in the rafters, and you say, whoa, this is pretty cool. Yeah, special. And uh, and then you then you play more and more basketball, and you realize how great you have to be did what do what he did so uh, you know it's, it's a lot of respect yeah i want to bring in joe in a second to talk about the new york city basketball part oh. of what your dad was but as impressive as anything that he did in his career the fact that he was a star a mega star in, at in the acc at maryland and then of course played in the nba at a high level and then goes to harvard law school and becomes a prosecutor i mean this is that's a lot of impressive career paths that he's yeah. taken. Uh, obviously, academics was a big part of what uh, was important to him. How much of – well, you went to Princeton, so a lot of that did rub off on yeah, you. Yeah, I fooled them. I don't know how they <laughs> let me in. So, And then you played baseball at Princeton. Right, um, right. Where did the baseball-basketball decision-making process take you as far as uh, how hard it was to choose one sport after, over the other when you went to college? Well, yeah, so growing up, and my dad has a lot to do with this, growing up, um, actually, so his first sport was baseball, believe it or not, and uh, he grew up in New York City. A lot of, lot of New York guys were like that. I was right. like that. You were like that. Oh, yeah. God, yeah. Played softball, baseball, wiffle ball, stickball, anything. I mean, between you and him, yeah. like the Yankees. Yeah, I mean, a I'm a guy. diehard Yankee, but yeah. you guys still. You no choice. Yeah. Uh, yeah. <laughs> yeah. It's actually a funny quick story. I came home in first grade with all my friends said, I'll be a Met fan. Oh. It's like, my, you know, I was starting to get the, the, get the whole gist of sports, and he's like, no, 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 no. <laughs> <laughs> but you're a Yankee fan. <laughs> so I, we have to talk. He, he, uh, he grabbed hold of that one. But, um. Yeah, so well, so baseball was his first sport, and you know he grew and and his you know he got influenced to change and go into basketball, and we know the rest. But uh, that's baseball was my first sport as well. He actually, my dad, I'm a natural righty, so he made I'm the firstborn out of out of two, of a younger brother, and so he made me a lefty. So I was taught to play sports left-handed, and he probably assumed that uh, I'd be, you know, somewhat tall and athletic, and um, you know he made me a pitcher. So that was my first sport. Um, later on played basketball and I actually feel when I was younger baseball came more naturally but as I got older basketball um, became more of my love um, so I played both sports throughout high school and 
Um, you know, when I got to high school playing on the on the teams, you know, did well, but I got a lot of exposure in baseball because we had a kid on our team um, my freshman year in high school who, who his name is Pedro Alvarez. Play, he got drafted, played professionally. We yeah, know John. him. Yeah, yeah, yeah. He, uh, he, was, he was something. And so – just seeing everyone used to come to watch him and killed and the Mets, by the way. He, I know. He's. <laughs> I hope he. Uh, I hope he gets back. He's a heck of a hitter. Um, he went to Horace Mann. He did. Yeah. yeah so yeah, he's a senior yeah. when I was a freshman. Yeah, that's right. Yeah. He was un- unbelievable. I really. Vanderbilt. Was, yep. Yep. Vander almost almost went right to the Red Sox. But yeah, he. I mean, he was amazing. So, um, just having that experience and um, got a lot of exposure. You know, I have to give credit to him and and you know I got some attention as a pitcher and I, I loved baseball. I was more of a raw talent um you know didn't basketball was my first sport once or it was my main sport when I was in high school played a lot more but I got I got some attention and I my dream was to play both sports um as long as I could you saw stories uh of guys who did that and it was always preached to me so um during the recruiting process I had some baseball schools looking at me uh or schools looking at me for baseball same with basketball um and so you know, ultimately, it just came down. To Princeton loved the coach over there for baseball. He was just—he uh, had great success developing guys, and um, you know, it was just a great fit. And Scott Bradley, Scott yeah, Bradley, former player, right. former Yankee. Yankee. Yep. yep. Oh yeah. So, um, yeah, and it was—it was a great process because looking back, I really—I don't want to say I was naive. I just thought, you know, it wouldn't be as hard as it really would be. Mm-hmm. Um, you know, you got look at some basketball schools like the Ivies and some of the mid majors, and then baseball schools a little higher level, but. When I got to Princeton, I realized how good these guys really were at baseball, and I was I was behind and didn't have the career I wanted to. But it was just it was great to go through the process. Sure, um, and then you get a Princeton degree. Yeah, and I played I played the Citadel for a right. Year, I was so. going to ask you about that. Uh, you played a year of bas- basketball as a graduate at the Citadel. Correct. Yeah, with uh, you didn't take Chuck, the easy route Chuck here, Drizel. did you? <laughs> no, it wasn't. It wasn't. But no, it was great. I'm glad I did it. Um, yep. Got to live in Charleston, South Carolina, which is beautiful. Uh, beautiful. And uh, you get. You graduate uh, Princeton and the Citadel. Now you have career choices to make. Right. Did you get into the private side at any point? When I say private side, I mean non-basketball, actual business world. Uh, for a very brief, uh, brief time. I, after my, uh, after I graduated from grad school, got into a uh, an agency. It was a marketing uh, PR agency. Um, I'm always, and this is a great thing about being here. I'm always, I've always had a passion for brand building and and marketing and, and, you know, kind of using your creativity, but also developing relationships to be able to make things happen. So, um, that was, that was definitely a huge reason why I did that. But, uh, the coaching bug was always there, especially when I got out and, uh, had an opportunity to get in, um, started at Manhattan college and now I'm here. Yeah. I, I'm interrupting cause I don't want to get too far into, uh, the other part of his life, but I probably told you this already. How old is your dad? Because I, I, I need to know. 52. He is 66. Okay, so I was probably in eighth grade, okay, and um, Talentine Grammar School, and I went to um, a playoff game at St. John's. And, and his dad, well, I don't know if we mentioned I didn't hear it. He went to Power, which, power we, sure. which we know was a tremendous powerhouse with Jabbar and those guys before. So I saw his dad play at St. John's. It was um, Lenny Elmore, Jap Trimble, who wound up going to Maryland, Maryland yep. and Ed Searcy, who wound up going to St. John's, right? Right. That's right. So those three guys were studs. And on the LaSalle team that Power beat 
was Kevin King. Mitch would know John Candelaria, who wound up being a pro baseball player for many, many years. Pitched for the Yankees, the Pirates. I saw saw him pitch in one of his first games. Yeah, John Candelaria. In that game, your dad hit his head on the lower part of the backboard and cut his head open. Are you serious? Yeah, oh, yeah. Oh, yeah. I'll never forget that as long as I live. I'll never forget well, that. As long he, as I mean, did he stay in the game? I I, don't, I would imagine so. They, back then, of course, you couldn't take guys yeah, out. I was going to call him soft if he did. Now you'd be out for a <laughs> month. Concussion, concussion protocol. <laughs> anyway, I don't think Steve. Maybe you do. Uh, ha, to understand as a 28-year-old or a millennial, or whatever age category you want to use to describe it. You don't understand just how big ACC basketball was in this area because they were the only games on TV for every Saturday afternoon. You'd watch ACC basketball. There was no Big East yet. This was big time college basketball, and it was one channel, and it was the only game you could watch. Your dad was, I mean, he was a big, big, big star. When and I'm, I'm stating the obvious, but I'm ter- in terms of what we're dealing with now where uh, – any given minute. Right now, I could turn on the TV and we could watch a college basketball game. Joe, back me up on this. We would sit around all week long waiting for those Saturday afternoons to watch the ACC game of the week. And it really Absolutely. magnified all those players, not just Maryland, but you know, North Carolina State, North Carolina. I mean, it was it was great stuff. Yeah, I remember back s- memories. I remember sitting in my high school gym and had a little TV plugged into one of the pillars on, at Talentine, which was kind of on the court. And we were watching North Carolina State with Burleson and Thompson. I sound like Debbie Downer here or Dr. Gloom, but I remember in that game, David Thompson went up for a dunk and did like a complete sure. flip and landed on yep. his head. Yep. Yeah. So I remember, what I game remember sick things. To- I, I forget who they were playing. It was probably UCLA okay. or somebody. Bob, do you remember? Well, the, the thing that I remember most about it is how high he yes. had to get up. Yeah, and they couldn't order. dunk, could they, back then, in that era? Uh, this is after Then Jamar. you could, yeah. Uh, what? Mitch, help us out. Yeah, with the Jabbar, you had the Jabbar rule where yeah. they outlawed it. But when did it come I forget. Back? Yeah. I, don't I don't know. I, I, I can't remember that. But believe me, Thompson was yeah. – but we're veering off track. We want to get back onto the uh, the Fairfield track. Um, so I'll wrap it up, Steve, by asking you this real quick question. What most attracted you to Fairfield? You're talking about advancing your basketball career, but you're also into other elements of the, the marketing and, and um, enhancing the brand. Well – you know, there's probably a pretty good brand here to sell, isn't there? Absolutely, and that and you said it right there. I mean, just the ability to, the ability to be able to um, have a hand in all of that. And again, like I said, Coach Johnson, when when I was talking to him about the role, you know, the biggest thing is, you know, he wants somebody who has basketball knowledge who can contribute that way, but was also has experience and who also is forward thinking and, um, you know, just is passionate about, you know, the big picture, and so. The biggest sell was just being able to, you know, it's the same title that I had before, but I'm doing, I'm doing some of the same things, but I'm I'm doing um, a lot of different things as well. Like I said, just more involved with the basketball and and preparation and then being able to work more closely with people on promoting the brand. It's just something that, uh, I mean, there's a lot of possibilities there and and it's fun for me to get that experience and um, hopefully contribute more and more. As yeah, I go on. you're a real asset to the program, and you do a great job dealing with uh, Joe. I can 
attest to that. That is the most. I can't really. I, I'm saying <laughs> I, that is one of my, my most favorite parts. I get random calls about the Yankees. <laughs> love the interaction. I love it. <laughs> Trying to keep him on his toes. You know what I mean? It's great. Well, just a couple of minutes left. Uh, Remember, Bob, he's in charge of the gear. So if you did as good a job as I did, you'd be strutting around with some neat I'm wearing blue right now. It's supposed to be red. Um, just a couple of minutes left. We need to talk about the stags here, uh, Coach Bonaguero and Steve. Feel free to jump in. You got five regular season games left. Biggest problem with the team right now, it's it's obvious. We don't have to get into X's and O's. The team's just not scoring right now. Uh, having cracked 60 in, what is it, four over four straight games, uh, the offense is struggling. So, you know, in a couple of words or less, if it's possible to kind of break down where you can go with this, how do, you know, what are the corrective measures, five games to go to try and tune it up in time for the MAC tournament. Uh, where are we headed here? Well, I think, Bob, the, the, at this point in the year, you are what you are. You know, you're not going to change much. So let's figure it, I think, with the five games, teams have figured us out. we figured other teams out. You know, we play better in the league, if you've noticed, against the teams that really don't defend. Right. You know, the Ionas, the Niagaras, the Riders. The teams that have, have scouted us and, and get us in the half court and play us, you know, play our guys certain ways. Those are the teams that have had success against us. So the big thing now is to keep defending, which we are. I think our defense, I told Joe just before, our defensive numbers in the league are very good. Mm-hmm. You know, and, and I think that's encouraging because most good teams now are playing good. The teams that are going to go far anywhere now are playing defense every night. So that's a good thing. we got to work out. we got to get our guys, our shooters, back shooting. You know, we, we – um, I think the league has figured out landing. You know, they're, they're not letting them get, get open looks. They're playing Neff differently. You know, our non-conference numbers, uh, Bob, were offensively were terrific. But they figure you out in the conference. They know you better than you know yourself. Well, I know Kanisha's better than they know. I've scouted Kanisha's. Right. I've seen 10 games. So the, the challenge Friday night will be, can we get 65 points? Because I think we'll hold them. You know, I think we'll it'll be in the 60s. So we got to get the guys that have not been producing because of whatever reason, you know, scouting or whatever. Um, we've got to work with them, show them film, and show them where they may be king. Like Landon, I know one thing Coach has harped upon with him is waiting longer for screens. You know, he's, he has a tendency to run off a screen without timing it up. So he's not getting shots. Or teams are now locking into him, so he's got he's to be able to back cut or, you know, move without the ball. So those are the things that we can help the kids with at this point in the season. You mentioned Neff. He didn't play the last game. His flu-like symptoms. Wasn't feeling well. How is he heading up to Buffalo? He's, he looks good. He had a good practice today. Right, Steve? I think he had one yeah. of his uh, – he, uh, he was all over the place. Yeah, I mean, he really played hard today. So I, I think, Bob, he'll come around. He's a good player. You know, he's just – I think freshman hit a wall. Mm-hmm. You, know, you know that. It's a long season. He's, he's not the most physical kid. The, the league is playing him differently. They're playing off him. And he's he's not shooting the ball great, so you know today he looked good. You know, hopefully he he you know he, he has a good game against Canisius. The turnovers have been a problem, a lot of those, and a lot of bad turnovers in recent games. Um, what do you make of that? Well, I think it's it's uh, youth inexperience, but I do think you, you you made a good point. A lot of them are self-inflicted, yep. you know. And the the problem, Bob, is when you have live ball turnovers. If you're playing a team that's athletic and quick. And you're like, Mom, it's pretty athletic. And when you have a live ball turnover, they take yep. take it down the other end. Canisius does that well. Canisius really turns live ball. So we got to 
that'll be a big thing to watch tomorrow night. If we're not turning the ball over, I think we got a good shot at winning. Everybody else okay? We mentioned Neff, physically speaking. Everybody sound going up to Buffalo? Uh, yeah, I think so. I, I, we've, you know, we've, we've got some little nicks and bruises, but no, we'll be, I think we'll be okay. Joe, anything as we uh, put a wrap on this, getting ready for uh, Canisius and Niagara? No, the only thing that stands out to me is uh, the preseason player of the year for Canisius doesn't seem to be playing, Isaiah, Isaiah Reese. Uh, you probably don't want to say too much about it because if he's listening, he's going to come out and kick your butt. <laughs> um, what do you know? What's going on with him? Has he been suspended or is he yeah, hurt? I think, or? The, I think the official word was suspended indefinitely. But I'll be I'll be honest with you, Joe. Since he's yeah. been since since he's left the team, they're playing. I believe better. Hmm. I think they're playing better. I think Molson now has become like the go-to guy. There yep. aren't two go-to yep. guys, so he he knows his role. And I think the point guard's playing well, Johnson. Malik Johnson is very, very good. Very good. Yeah, yeah. I, it's funny. I was saving this for my broadcast, the crack research committee that I have at home. Do you know in the last two games you played them, last year you played them once, and this year the first time, the numbers are eerily similar. The f- last year you were 26 for 59 from the floor. This year you were 25 for 59. Last year you were 4 for 20 from 3. This year 4 for 19 from 3. 10 assists, 16 turnovers, 9 and 14. Crazy. So you're going to have to either play better defense or, or get your offense up. Because uh, if you continue to shoot like that, you're going to need you're going to need a low scoring game. Yeah, no which you already said. And uh, that's Canisius. Uh, some real quick words on Niagara. They're going to be looking to avenge that loss here at Alumni Hall earlier in the season. You already mentioned they're one of the teams that doesn't defend as well as some of the teams you've seen recently. But what do you expect from them on Sunday? Well, I think you know Steve and Tyson scouted them, but I think the one thing I've noticed about them is they play a lot better at home. Mm-hmm. You know, they've they've been a much 15 points better at home on the road they seem to not def- you know not they don't defend great anywhere but I think on the road you got to defend and they don't and that's why I think they lose games in the road but at home they're they can outscore you they, they play well at home all right looking forward to uh, the Buffalo Wings this weekend Absolutely. Absolutely. Is it, Absolutely. Is it the anchor bar or Ducks? I, I don't Ducks, know. Both. Joe's, you know got the, Joe's got Buffalo down. He knows know, where to go. You know what's <laughs> funny is everyone says, oh, the weather, the weather. They get two feet of snow, and they know how to deal with it. You know what right, I'm saying? Joe. So there's really there's never an issue. Although the one time I did come back with you on the bus, I remember we came back in a, in a blizzard. You were on that bus. Was yeah. that last year? I don't remember. They yeah. all kind of run into each other <laughs> yeah. over yeah. time. Yeah. No, uh, I think the weather forecast is good, right, Steve? For, Snow uh, on for Sunday. Traveling? Late is it, Sunday. Is it really? Late Sunday. Yeah, Snow, we, so wow. you got to shower and get out of there quick. Yeah, we All will. Right. It's 2 o'clock game, so we'll have a chance. Sounds good. Hey, Steve, thanks for joining us. No, thanks You're for having great. me. You have a great story. We'll have to get you in again uh, sometime. And, Mitch, uh, appreciate you pinch hitting here for Sidney Johnson. Uh, good luck this weekend in Buffalo. Thank you. Thanks a lot. You've been listening to Open Court with Mitch Bonagero filling in this week for Sidney Johnson, Joe DeSantis with us as always. I'm Bob Heisler. Next week we will recap that Fairfield trip to Western New York as they get ready to play Canisius and Niagara. And then we'll get you ready for the final two home games of the season. This season is winding down quickly, so stay with us here on Open Court as we bring you all the details. So once again, thanks to Mitch and Steve and Joe, and let's not forget Ivy Spade who makes all this happen. I'm Bob Heisler. Thanks for listening to Open Court. We'll see you next week. The Open Court Podcast is a presentation of Fairfield University Athletics. 
for future podcasts, videos, news, stats, and coverage of Fairfield Stags men's basketball, log on to fairfieldstags.com.